Greg's going to be preaching from Ephesians. We're going to be going through the uh, end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. Two main themes, prayer for spiritual strength and then the unity in the body of Christ. Starting with uh, 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and forever. Amen. Chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. God's Word. Good morning. This morning we are uh, going to look at two of our core values. Uh, last week, as, as you've heard or you were here, uh, we gathered all together as, as a church uh, here for uh, our time of worship. And uh, because of that, we took a week off of our uh, core values study. And so this morning I'm going to attempt to cover two core values in one sermon. There is way more about these than I will be able to say. There's way uh, more in this passage uh, that we could pull out to uh, discuss these core values than I'll be able to get to in the next uh, 30 minutes or so. And so I just want to look at some of uh, the highlights, if you will, or some of the things that God has been working on in my own heart as I have processed through uh, some of these core values. And the core values that we're going to look at this morning are multi-generational and reflecting Annapolis. Multi-generational and reflecting Annapolis. When I was uh, in informed that I was going to be preaching about uh, reflecting Annapolis and multi-generational. Uh, usually I just spend a couple of days just kind of thinking through what that means, reading passages, trying to pull some things out and understanding. But in that, it was it happened to be a Monday. And if you know me well, you know Monday is my Chick-fil-A day. So I go to Chick-fil-A at the mall every Monday. And I park, I've, I've learned the best place to park, if you're coming from EP, going to the mall, if you want to go to Chick-fil-A, this is just for free, this is not part of the sermon really, but it is, um, park outside of Forever 21, and then walk through Forever 21. And so I'm walking through Forever 21, and I'm thinking about being multi-generational, and as I'm walking through there, it dawned on me 
All the clothes in Forever 21 are geared towards looking like you're 21. And so I stopped for just a moment and I looked around at the people in Forever 21. They weren't 21. (laughs) And in fact, there was one particular person, I won't describe a, a gender, that I just, they were holding up something in the mirror and I just wanted to be like, no, okay? And just like, don't just, but why do we have stores called Forever 21? Did you ever think about that? Because we worship youth in American culture today. We worship youth there's a, I saw on the news earlier this week that there is a, a football stadium in Texas that they just finished building $75 million for a high school football stadium. Marketers will tell you, people that are in the business of selling things, that the demographic with the largest disposable income in the world is 18 to 24-year-old people in the United States of America. They have their parents' credit cards. (laughs) And their parents let them use it. They have the largest disposable income on the planet. And marketers know that. And our culture worships that. Because in our culture, we, we believe... That once you're past the age of 24, you don't really matter much anymore. And to matter, you need to go to Forever 21 so that you can look like you're 21 even though you aren't 21. And you go to store after store after store as you walk through them all and you see that same phenomenon. It really struck me when... A couple of weeks ago, my family and and a a mom and a daughter from EP went to work with a ministry partner in Scotland. And the ministry partner that we work with works in youth ministry in Scotland. And he kept saying the same things. Every day that we met, we gathered together to pray as a leadership team working for a youth outreach camp. And he said the same thing every day. We want these kids to know that they are valued We want them to know that they are loved. We want them to know that they matter. And we want them to know that their story matters to God. And he said that every day. And when he went into the church service the following Sunday where there is one teenager that attends that church, it's the pastor's son, he said the same thing. And I went up to him after the service and I said, Robbie, why do you keep saying that? Because teenagers know that they are valued and loved. I mean, the world is geared toward them. And he said, not in this country. In Scotland, you don't have meaning or purpose until you take the test. I said, the test? (laughs) What? Ooh, that sounds ominous. He said, they take a test when they're juniors, seniors-ish age of high school. And that test will determine the rest of their life. In in a lot of ways. Because if you pass the test or do well on it, you go on to university. If you don't do so well on it, you go into a trade school. And if you do really poorly on it, you just go into the workforce. 
And your value, your worth in this society is determined by how well you do on that test. And whether you go to university, whether you go into the workforce, or whether you go and do a trade school, society looks at you different. You don't have worth or value until later in life to what you can give to society. And as I thought about all those things, and we come to a core value called multi-generational, the Bible is is full of, of places where it shows us and it tells us and encourages us that God is a covenant God. That God, His covenant goes not just to, to older folks or not just to younger folks, but it goes to all of us. And we as a church, I believe we are blessed and that we have multiple, multiple generations that are represented here in our church body that are in the pew here with you this morning. And what God says to you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you feel or how old you feel, no matter what you dress like or what you look like, God says, I value you. You have meaning. You matter. Your story matters to God because He loves you and He cares for you. And He has shown that through His Son, Jesus. And this morning as we think about what it looks like, what does it mean to be multi-generational? I don't want us to to look at this and say, okay, the pastor just said we're multi-generational because there's somebody older than me over here and there's somebody younger than me over here. We're multi-generational. Good, got it. Let's move on to the next one so we can go home. Multi-generational means so much more simply than we have folks from birth to their 90s represented here. I want to suggest it means that we are in relationship with one another. That we are in relationship with those who are younger than us and those who are older than us. And I'm going to use kind of broad terms like older and younger. I don't have any kind of like demarcation of, well, and you're 25, you're this. Don't worry about that. We all need people in our lives that are younger than us and we need people in our lives that are older than us to be in relationship with them. And here, I want to go to the the passage that Don read for us. And I want us to pull just a couple of things out real briefly. If you look at uh, verse 15, Paul is is praying. This this first first few verses are a prayer for for the church and for us. That every family on, on earth is named in Christ. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And we'll, we'll we'll touch on what he says later in a few minutes. But I want us to think about being strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner beings, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that we might be rooted and grounded in love. We have a calling. Those of us who are older, older in age or older in the faith, we have a calling to teach the next generation the truths of the gospel so that they might be rooted and grounded in the truths of the faith. 
If you, if you go back into the Old Testament, and we don't have time to, to read all the, the places, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and in other places throughout the Old Testament, when God gives to Moses the, the law, when he gives him the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5, in chapter 6, he he's kind of sums up the law. And then he says, teach these things to your sons and daughters. In other places, he says, when your kids ask, why in the world do we have Passover? Say to them, this is why, because we were, we were slaves, we were in bondage and God has brought us out and he has freed us. When we celebrate in worship and your children ask, why do we have to go to church again? I know kids, none of you ever do that, but in case you did, Parents, you have this great privilege to be able to say, here's why we go to church. Here's why we worship. Because of what Christ has done. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we do the things that we do? We have this privilege of teaching the next generation the truths of the faith. And so we need those who are older in our lives to be able to share with those who are younger about that truth. But it doesn't just end with kids. It doesn't end like, okay, they graduated from high school. They should know it all now. They should be good. They're set. No. I need people in my life who are older than me. You need people in your life that are, that are older than, than you. In every stage of life that we go through, we need people who have gone through those stages before us, who are able to say to us, here's how we made it through. Here's how we grew in our faith. Here's how Jesus challenged us through a time just like that. We, we have a Sunday school class that I, I'm blessed and privileged to be a part of. It meets at the, the next hour. It's called Growing in Grace. And the class is kind of geared towards, if you will, uh, new couples or folks with younger kids. And we have some, some single folks who are just starting out in their careers that are, are part of our group. But we also have some folks that are older than us. And they are such a blessing. Because when we come in, sometimes we just spend some good quality half hour plus just going... My children, oh my. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like how, you know, when they're newborns, like they sleep all day. And they're up all night. How do I make it through? Or when our kids are a little older, they begin to, to do things that we're like, where did that come from? Or when they turn into teenagers and suddenly there's no more food in my house. I mean, their house. And we're, we're going, what is going on? We have these dear folks who are there to say to us, that's not strange. You'll make it through. God still loves you. Here's an opportunity for you to share with your kids the good news of Jesus. And we can go, okay, that's good. Hebrews chapter 11 is a a whole chapter. It might even be titled in your Bible like, by faith. And it goes through all these people who lived by faith through the Old Testament. And there's so many, he finally just, he gives up. He's like, look, I could talk about David. I could talk about this lady. I could talk about this guy. I could talk about this other lady. They all lived by faith. And then in chapter 12, he says, now, 
in view of that, let them spur you on towards Jesus. Let them push you towards Jesus. We all need people who have lived by faith in our lives, who have gone through it, that will push us and move us and prod us, encourage us, lead us towards Jesus. But we also need people who are younger than us. We need people who are younger than us in our lives so that we might continue to be strengthened in the faith. You see, there's going to be another letter that's written to the church at Ephesus. This church letter that Paul wrote comes a few years before another letter that we find in Revelation chapter 2. And in Revelation chapter 2, John is, is given this letter to give to this church where he, he says, look, I, I know you guys are really smart. You're really grounded in the faith. You, you hate these teachings that are false, and that is a good, good thing. But God has this against you. You forgot your first love. You forgot the love that you had at first. You see, we need those who are younger in the faith with us to strengthen those who are older because we can forget. Or we can get so caught up in the fact that, especially as Presbyterians, and I'm one of them and I'm guilty of this, we can get so caught up in the fact that I know the right stuff. I know the right things. I know how to read Greek. Woo! But have I forgotten my first love? The love that you see at Vacation Bible School when a second grader comes in and has got a smile from ear to ear and there's a mom or a dad or a grandparent standing there with them and, and they kind of shake their hand and say, Hey, tell Pastor Greg, tell Pastor Bruce, tell Pastor Dan, tell Miss Sandy what happened last night. And the little the little boy or girl can't even contain themselves. They say, I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart last night. And I look at that and go, I want to be like that. I want to have that excitement about Jesus. Because of what I want, you know what I want to do with that kid? I want to get down in front of them now. Did you do that right? No. I need to be encouraged and strengthened in my faith that it is about a relationship that the God of the universe has with me, that he loves me and cares for me. It's not wrong to know things. It's good. But we cannot forget our first love and the love that we had at first when we first were brought to faith in Jesus. And we need those in our lives that are older than us. We need those in our lives that are younger than us so that all of us might move forward towards Jesus, that we might be strengthened, that we might be rooted and grounded in the faith. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? Because I don't typically normally have relationships with people that are a whole lot older than me or maybe much younger than me. But we have all kinds of opportunities if we just realize it. And let, let me, in way of application, just lay out a couple of things. One, as I look around, uh, you might notice that I'm like looking up or more because there's a lot of bright orange shirts in the room. Renew groups. 
what an amazing way to, to be in relationship with people that are older than you or younger than you. We have a tendency when we come up with groups like this is to go to the people that are all just like us and say, hey, let's get in a group together and do our own thing. I want to encourage you not to do that exclusively. But even this morning, go to someone who is younger than you or older than you and ask them if they would be a part of the, of the group that you're in. Or maybe if you don't have a group, go to someone in an orange shirt and say, can I be a part of your group? Who's in that? Because I want, I want to be a blessing to someone and I need to be blessed. Look for ways for that to happen. Be intentional about that. Ask questions. That might mean you have to kind of step out in faith a little bit. That's okay. It might be really hard for you to ask that question. That's okay. God, God will guide you through it. We're here with you to guide, to guide you through that process. There's other ways. Maybe uh, you're already in a Renew group and that's a great thing, but maybe you've got on your heart maybe, elementary school kids. Linda, Kate. Linda, where are you? I told you I was going to do this. Are you here? Linda's back here in the back. She is going to be right outside of her office door, which is immediately out the back. There is an easel if you haven't noticed. We need folks that will come in and teach our elementary school kids. And we have room for you that you can get to know our our elementary school students. Now, that's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't have that gift. That might not be the place for you. We have other places. Maybe you maybe you feel called to work with kids that are a little bit older. Rob Gicking is right over here. Rob, you stand up because I'm in the business of making people stand up for some reason this morning. Rob's going to be right over here after the service. Rob runs our middle school ministry. He's going to be down there in the fellowship hall. But there's coffee down there. So go get coffee and then talk to Rob. John Cavallaro is not here this morning. He runs our high school ministry. We need folks to, to, that will just come and just be with our students. Rob will have anywhere from 60 to 70, 80 middle school students on our campus on Friday nights this fall here at EP. You know what that means? He needs 80 of you to be there with him. Because it would be amazing if there was one adult for every student who was there that you could just get to know one kid. Isaac's right here. Get, or they can go see Wendy for high school. Isaac's right here. Isaac runs our college ministry. Isaac's already stood up, so I won't ask him. But today at 2.30 at Anne Arundel Community College... There will be a time of prayer for our college students. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of us showed up because we love our college students? Because we love the youth of our community? There's so many other ways. Renew groups, Bible studies, in our Sunday school communities, and these different ministries. There are so many more of ways that you can get to know people that are younger than you, people that are older than you. Now, some of you, maybe one or two of you are going, they don't get older than me. Well, you get the double blessing and that you get to know lots of people younger than you. And so Floyd and others, (laughs) I won't ask you to stand up, Floyd. But if you don't know Floyd, you are missing a blessing. Because he... 
He speaks into my life. And I need that. And others who simply just reach out, who are older than me, who have run this race and are still running. That's what multi-generational is. It's not just like, hey, we've got some younger people and some older people in the pew and we're good. No, it's we're in relationship with one another that we're intentional about that and that we are all moving towards Christ-likeness together. And I've got to run on to this next um, core value, reflecting Annapolis. What does that mean? What does it look like? Reflecting Annapolis, we desire to look like our city. As, as you've heard, as, we go, as we've gone through our worship even this morning, of, of oneness, of diversity, uh, we want to look like our city in all the ways that we can look. And there's so many different things. And you see there in, in your worship guide, if you've got it open to that uh, page, uh, where we've listed out racially, uh, ethnically, politically, socioeconomically, there's so many different things that like the Census Bureau will kind of divide all of us as a population up into. And we feel like this is something that we as a church want to continue to move towards. Of all of our core values, this is probably our most aspirational one, that we want to move towards this. Why? Is it just so that because it's kind of the cool thing to do right now in churches that, you know, all the churches that are being planted in the U.S. today are multi-ethnic churches and it's kind of the politically correct thing to do? No, that's not why. Why we want to reflect our city is because it reflects heaven. If you look at, at Revelation chapter 5 and in Revelation chapter 7, John, who is seeing heaven, gives this picture of here's what is going on even right now before the throne of God. And he describes it this way, and he describes it this way twice. I saw before the throne of God people from every tribe and tongue and nation on the earth gathered together before the throne worshiping God. And if Jesus prays, as he teaches us to pray in Matthew, on earth as it is in heaven, should not our desire then for what goes on here on earth to reflect the picture that we see in heaven? So our desire to to look like our city is because we desire uh, the church to be a foretaste of what heaven will bring where people from every tribe and tongue and nation and every socioeconomic group and every race and every nationality and every background and every experience on the planet are gathered together before the throne of God and are worshiping Him on earth, even now, as it will be and is there. We're just not there yet, but we want a taste of that here. And so that's going to to cause us to have to do some things. Maybe some things that are a little bit different. Maybe some things that for us, because we are so alike in a lot of ways. We are diverse, absolutely. But we're also alike in so many ways. That's going to cause us to have to 
to change and to grow. And one of the things that, that when we begin to reflect our city more is that it moves all of us closer to Jesus. You see, I have been so uh, blessed in, in being able to meet brothers and sisters in the faith who are very different than me, both in, in, their, in their politics, in, in their faith, in, in you know, the things that they believe about the Bible that I don't agree with everything that they, that they believe. I don't believe the Bible teaches some of those things in their backgrounds. And yet they have made me more like Jesus for being in relationship with them. And it's not just a one-way street. We tend to think, and and as I was processing through this, I, I caught myself, maybe it's the spirit going, hold on a second. That was really arrogant. Because my thought was, wow, they need us. We need people who are different than us in our lives, and they need us. It's not a one-way street. It's both. So that we all, as one body, can move towards Jesus, as one people who have been redeemed by Him, can be made more like Him and strengthened in their faith and challenged. Because we all need to be challenged in, in how we think, and it might be that we realize, yes, that is what the Bible says. Or it might be, you know, I misunderstood that for so long, and now I see in a new way because this person who is in my life that is different than me, that sees things different than me, has challenged me and is growing me through God's Spirit and His work towards that. And for, for many of us, myself included, as we think about reflecting our city, and next week we're going to look, out, look at more of reaching out to our city. It's going to cause us to, for many of us, to, to learn a new language. Here's what I mean by that. It's not like, hey, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, join us, and we're going to have Rosetta Stone to learn French or Spanish or German or Latin or whatever. No, we speak a certain language here at EP. We use certain words that people who aren't a part of EP don't understand. And it, it hit me a couple of months ago when I was at a funeral for a dear friend who passed away, but it was at a St. Andrews on the Bay Catholic Church. And as a Protestant minister, I don't go to Catholic churches. I've been to a few weddings, but those were pretty um, uh, non-Catholic-y, if you will. I don't even know what that means, but... It dawned on me when I went in and I was looking at the order of service. And then as I'm looking and the priest is talking, all of a sudden everyone stood up. And I'm looking at the order of service. I was like, there is not a star right here next to it that would indicate congregation, please rise. Like we would have in our bulletin. And then, as so I look at the family, I'm like, and so we all stand up. Well, as soon as we stood up, everybody sat down. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there going, I don't understand. Like, what did he just say that made everybody sit down? And then a couple of minutes later, all of a sudden I realized there was a guy in my ear talking to me. And I literally did this. And he was kneeling down praying. We don't have kneelers here. We don't do that. And I'm wondering, how did he know to do that? And I looked at the lady in front of me. She was kneeling down. I'm like, what are they saying? 
And I felt so out of place because I didn't know the language. And I wondered, wow, I wonder how people who come to EP that have a Catholic background feel the first time that they're here. How do people who have no religious background whatsoever, how do they feel when they come into EP? Do they wonder, who is that guy standing up there talking? Why are they doing that? Why did, why did we stand for so long? Why did we just sit down? Why did, we, why did he just tell us to go hug each other? What, why did we do all of these things? We have a language. The world has a language that we need to, to learn. If we want to, to reach out into the, the community, if we want to reflect the community, we need to be aware of, of the language that we have and to learn a new one so that the gospel might go forth, so that we might better reflect our city and so that we might encourage one another on towards Jesus. I'm out of time, but I just want to answer one last question. And that is this. Why? Why these two core values? Look with me at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Why do we feel like these are important? So that we might bring glory to Christ. So that there might be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, not just now, but throughout all generations. Bruce asked, uh, I don't know, months or maybe even a year ago, Bruce asked, do you pray about the people who will be sitting in your pew 50 years from now? When you're gone, when you're with Jesus, our desire is that God would continue to build his church, that he would continue to build his church that, that we call EP, that 50 years from now, your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children might gather here to be strengthened and encouraged and built up and rooted and grounded in the faith so that the, the gospel might be made known and that Christ might be glorified in his church. Why these? So that God would be worshipped, so that he would be exalted, so that he would be praised in our relationship with him because of what Christ has done in our relationships with one another as we spur each other on towards Christ-likeness. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this challenge from your word. Lord, we pray that through your spirit, as, as this passage says, even that your spirit might work in our hearts to mold us and to shape us, to strengthen us, to root us and to ground us in the truth of who Christ is so that we might be worshipers of Christ, that the church might be perfected, that it might be here in our midst as it already is in heaven. Father, would you challenge us? Would you lead us? Would you make it so?
so that your name would be lifted up. So that we, together as one, with Christ as the head, might know the height and depth and breadth and width of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.